0: Uh, well, it's good to worship with you all, just um, wanted to share really uh, briefly about um, our lunch that's coming up next Sunday, and uh, it's a day we want all of us to get together, and one of the things, we want to just be a, uh, a nice, kind, friendly church, and so in order to do that, we want to, we can't, you can't do that unless you interact together and uh, meet someone and talk to someone, and so that's coming up next week. After both services, there'll be lunch and an opportunity for you to hang out and share, and not just for you to say, "Oh, well, it was good for me," but really for you to go to someone else and um, welcome a new person to our church. You know, since um, January, even um, even before that, but since January on, we've had so many new people coming um, to our church, and and our congregation at Irvine looks like a different place. and uh, um, it's growing and God is sending people. So we want to just welcome you. We want to be able to sit down and talk and, and do that. And the second part of it is that whatever proceeds we raise, um, is we, will, we want to send a gift to Ebenezer Theological Seminary. And if you've been at our church, you know about them, but I want to share just briefly who they are. It's a seminary in the southern tip of India that we support. We send them money, um, a couple hundred bucks every month. And we've kind of adopted them since day one of our church plant. And uh, Dr. Chaco Thomas is a man who started the seminary, and I met him about, um, gosh, 13 years ago or so. And uh, they have a seminary there, and uh, they're raising up uh, new pastors and workers. And uh, it's a very difficult place to be a Christian in India, um, and especially to go into ministry, to go to seminary. It's a very difficult time. Um, it's not like here where you get support and churches and jobs and things like that. Um, over there is you finish and you gotta go out and figure it out. And so there is a lot of great opportunities for us there. And so um, whatever you do will help. I'll just tell you one, one of the stories. I, when I visited there years back um, after the Sunday, we had gone out to the beach after all the services. And the beach was just jam-packed with all these people and we were um, going back and forth and just kind of hanging out and meeting all these alumni who were coming over to say hi. And they were out there evangelizing um, at the beach. Um, and one of the things they, they bought me, uh, they say, oh, would you like some peanuts? There was a guy selling peanuts. I was like, "Well, that was the only thing they were selling. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll eat some peanuts. And so we go and get some peanuts and in a newspaper bag, like a, in a cone shape, they give me a big amount of peanuts. And uh, it costs, and I did the math in my head, it costs the equivalent of one penny to have this much, and I didn't even finish it, right, in in U.S. dollars. And so what we can do goes a long way. And so I want to ask you to, you know, come eat lunch. It'll have a purpose behind it. You're going to partner in that work, and really our vision for Crossway, to be a church for all people is to bring, uh, to be a part of the kingdom of God, to go and reach out to them, to partner with strategic partners all over. Um, And for you, for us who live here, to be a part of it. You might not be a full-time missionary, but we want you to say, gosh, you know, God has given me this lot in my life, and I wanna make sure a substantial amount of it is used, is given for the kingdom work. And so this is very important to us, so make sure you keep that in mind. Uh, next Sunday and join us. And the food is actually fantastic. So uh, make sure you come out and uh, join us for that. Today we look at this story, and there's a story of the people finally leaving Egypt. The plagues are over, the Passover had passed over, and now the uh, Israelites are coming out. And as they come out, what we see here is what theologians call a theophany, a theophany is a manifestation of God in, a, in the Old Testament in a physical way. And so here, it, God is seen in two theophanies. One is a cloud by day, it's a cloud, He's a cloud. And then another is a fire, a pillar of fire. by And I don't know what it means by pillar, whether it looks like a pillar, whether it's shaped like a pillar, whether it touches the ground, so it looks like the idea of a pillar. We're not really sure exactly what it is, but we see that here, right? And uh, can you imagine, you are out in the wilderness, you're out in the desert, and there's over a million people now who are exiting Egypt. And as they are coming out, this cloud comes over them. Can you imagine what relief that is? Some of you are into uh, hiking, right? And the nice, the weather matters. Some of you are into running. I don't understand you, but some of you are, you do that, and you pay money to run, and you'll go get on a plane to go run, and you know, so I'm like, you know, there, you know we're praying for you, um, you're probably <laughs> praying for us, but um, think about it, the weather makes a huge difference. If you could get under some shade, the relief you get. Ah, it's so nice. Can you imagine older people, women and men and grandmas and little children and newborns, and there's a million of them marching through the land, and this cloud, what it meant. Secondly, can you imagine the fire at night? You ever been somewhere where it's so pitch black, where you can't see your own hand? It's really pitch black. There were no street lamps. And the fire by night meant there was warmth, there was now visibility, safety. And if you understand what fire is, you want at night in the cold to be in close proximity to the fire. You don't want to be far from the fire. You want to make sure your children are near the fire. And so whether it's the cloud by day or the fire by night, if you departed from it, you felt it. If you wandered away from it, it hurt you. And the fire was guiding them through the night. And the cloud would guide them through the day. And this is the story that we're at in chapter 13. What is this about? It's God's way of taking people who are fearful, faithless, and he's changing them to become his people. Really, it's a story of us all. We go to God and we are fearful. We go to God and we say, hey, you don't make sense on this. We want to argue with God. We want to debate God. We're not sure if we could trust God. And God, in his loving patience, guides us along. And that's the story here. Now, all of us have blind spots. All of us think we know or we might know better. But really, God knows our blind spots. Think of the people who know your blind spots. They're wiser than you and they love you. And so they're the ones that'll tell you, oh, you know, you got something here, and they'll tell you. Well, I mean, I was walking on all day, and I had this thing here. What is this thing? You know, like, I don't know, but don't eat it. You know, like it's just a thing here. Um, it's a, it's our blind spot. Someone that could see what we could see, we can't see. And this is what we see. here. You know, one of the uh, TV shows that I enjoyed, and I don't think it's on the air anymore, is a show called Intervention. And some of you have seen it. Um, It's a story they follow, a documentary where they follow someone who is addicted to some kind of substance. They follow them around. And they share their life story about this person, what they were like as a baby and what they were good at and as a child. And, you know, what trauma they had in their life, what pains they had that led them to this addiction. And it shows the horrors of addiction. It shows the pain of all the loved ones around them. You know, afraid of their child, locking, you know, trying to lock their door, getting things stolen, and all the things, the turmoil of it. And at the end of the story or the documentary, usually they have an intervention. They'll sit the person down with all the loved ones and a counselor, and they will want them to get into rehab. Um, and some do, some don't. Some have survived. A lot have actually passed away uh, from that show. Uh, One that particularly stands out that I remember was uh, about a young lady. Her name was Allison, and she was a pre-med student. And because of the pains in her life, she ends up getting addicted. And she gets addicted to inhalants, um, what they would have for, uh, like, the duster, the spray thing that you would use on your keyboard. And she would inhale that, and it would give her a quick high. It got to the point that she would inhale sometimes up to 10 cans a day. 10 cans. Um, I, 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 after that, I hid my can of the inhaler. I was like, I didn't know you could do that, you know, but I put that right. But it shows her, and it's, a, it's a, ter- uh, a terrible story. And at one point, she gets into a car accident, a bad accident, and the loved ones around her say, what if you killed someone? What if you hurt someone? And the response that she had was this. She says, I don't care if I sacrifice the life of anybody else. I just need this now. And obviously, when you're watching the show and the loved ones who are around them say, you have so many blind spots, you don't know what's going on, and they have the intervention, she's upset that they, they've kind of done this behind her back, but they talk her into getting rehab. And now you could find her online and she's finishing her master's degree in psychology, she's, she's a counselor, she's helping people who are dealing with addictions. Looks like a complete different person. But from, to get from point A, where you are blind, in your blind spots, to get now to point B where everyone around you sees this. This is what the story here of the uh, Israelites are. God taking a people who don't fully understand their identity and purpose, and He's guiding them along, saying, I have something better for you, follow me. And we know, if you know Exodus, if you've been in the church, you know that they waver back and forth, and you see the patience of God throughout the book of Exodus that we will see coming up. But here's that story. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, to convince them that I am here for you. I know better. And what, what are these, fi- what are these uh, the, the fire and the cloud, what do they mean? What, what, what's the purpose? And um, there's five areas I want to highlight with us uh, this morning. One is the pillar of cloud or the fire or God himself, uh, number one is continually at work in us and through us and really for us whether we feel it or not he is continually at work in us and you are all here today at church it might have been you thought your decision or someone nagging you or whatever it was and you got to church today or you had a responsibility you had to come and meet someone but ultimately it's god saying you know i'm working in you i'm going to bring you to this place it tells us here in verse 17 that we read pharaoh when pharaoh let the people go and there are those words, let the people go. That's a very familiar saying. We've heard it all throughout. Let my people go. When God calls Moses, he says, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. When, when Moses and Aaron approach uh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And it's, a, it's the same word. And here, when it's written in chapter 13, it is written in the, using the same word to let the reader know that God has been at work since he saved Moses 80 years ago. God has been at work, whether you felt it or not, that he ultimately had let them let their people go. It was his purpose. Sometimes we think that God is only at work when I feel it. Let's say you prayed and you read the Bible and you felt like God spoke to you. You say, maybe God is at work this week. No, God is always at work in our lives, whether we see it or understand it or not. You know, last night, uh, Um, we had a dinner with our elders and their wives and um, it was just a good time of fellowship because usually when we talk it's just you know like real business you know and getting things done but this time when the wives come it changes all of that and um, and uh, we usually the elders we meet like uh, you know at uh, sunrise and on Saturday mornings to talk and pray and all this but now everyone looked nice and Wives came, and it it kind of changes everything, you know, when the wives come. But anyway, we were were eating and enjoying ourselves, and you know the nice part of it was, is that, you know, I said, no kids allowed, right? Like, you can't bring your kids. And that was kind of a nice part of it. Like, we love our kids, but it was kind of nice. Like, I don't have to worry about ordering bathroom. You know, like, it's just, I just eat, right? Um, But naturally, what does our conversation turn to? The kids, we start talking about the kids. And I'm like, I thought we were trying to get away from the kids, but we're talking about the kids. Um, And now we're talking about our kids. And one of the things we started talking about was, you know, my my oldest is in high school. Pastor Sam's oldest is in high school. We have a couple of our elders. Their kids are, you know, that age, um, college. So we're talking about, oh, college and SATs and when should they study. And We spent the whole amount of time talking about this. Now, I guarantee the kids, my kids, the other kids, Pastor Sam's daughter, they weren't thinking about us at home when they were having fun, right? Because they were all together just hanging out. But we're here now at work on their behalf. Oh, so you mean we have to plan this, and then we gotta, you know, they gotta take some boring SAT class, you know, and and then they gotta do this, and then boy, we gotta apply here. And we're already still at work. I'm sure they're not at home thinking, you know, when dad turns 50, what should I get him? You know, when that turns 60, what should I get him? They're they're like, you know what? The only thought they have is, I hope they don't come back too soon, right? (laughs) Because it is nice having no one tell me what to do, eat, clean up, whatever, right? But it is constantly at work. And really the picture of God that we see here in the last 80 years is that he had constantly been at work and this was going to happen. And I want us to believe that, that God is at work in your life, whether you've been a quote unquote, a good Christian, a bad Christian. You know, whatever it is, God is still at work in your life. He is there for you, and He's going to work through you. Secondly, God is wiser than us, right? God is wiser than me. Can you say that out loud? God is wiser than me. One, two, three, out loud. God is wiser than me. This is something we have to preach to ourselves. God is wiser than me. The next time you are frustrated, impatient, disappointed, worried, just stop and just tell yourself, God is wiser than me. It kind of just feels good just saying that this is my third sermon i I said it every time and it felt good every time i said it god is wiser than me it says here in verse 17 god did not lead them by the way the second part god did not lead them by the way of the land of the philistines although that was near let me just pause here it's interesting when you look at the map you have uh, egypt here and they're trying to get across this way Uh, But what God does is he leads them south. You know, Mount uh, Sinai is down here, and in the back of your Bibles you have maps. And he leads them south when their goal is here. And he leads them south in this way. And he says, God already knew what was ahead. God is wiser. He already knew what it would look like. God already knew what 2016 would look like for you. And he says, I'm not going to take them that way. I'll take them this way. And why? Because secondly, not only does he know what's ahead, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. They were not ready. The Philistines were a strong people. They were not ready to go there. And he said, lest they see them and they're not ready and they go back. And he says, I'm going to, I have a plan for them. I'm wiser. And so we have to understand that God holds our lives. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, And he guides us along in this way. He's wiser than me. Thirdly, uh, he is worthy of our complete trust. A lot of us have a hard time trusting God because we're not sure, is he worth, does he really know better? Because my life is so precious, does he really know? He knows so much better, he is worth us trusting with our own lives, with my marriage, with the way I raise kids, with my security, my future, all of it, he is worthy to trust. We go to God and we want to trust the little things, the little sayings, the little prayers. But when it's the important things, oh, it's my marriage, oh, it's my time, it's my money, it's my kids. I don't know if I can trust God with these things, I'll do it my way. No, no, he's worthy to trust with the important things in life. Uh, It says this in verse 18, right? Which way does God lead them? God led the people around by the way of the wilderness, toward the Red Sea and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle so he led them toward the Red Sea now as a military strategist the last place you want to go is where there's a body of water that's going to block you you are landlocked you can't escape especially with the Egyptian army who's going to come after you you do not want to go where there's water behind you and you're stuck you can't hide there's no higher ground you're doomed but God knows better and he guides them in the perfect spot. It's interesting. It tells us that the um, they were equipped for battle. And uh, uh, a lot of commentators they go they they not you know they say well they they had weapons they didn't they got them from the Egyptian counterparts they didn't um, or they were walking like they were an army like together they're not sure, but they thought they might. And this is uh, what I'm guessing, what they were thinking, is some of the wiser men said, you know, if we're gonna cut across, they're the Philistines, and we're gonna have to go fight, and there's gonna be bloodshed, and uh, so grab what you can. And guys are picking up garden tools and whatever sticks, and uh, they're, they're thinking they're gonna go fight. And God says, no, I'm gonna just take you down this way. And so God is worthy of our complete trust. You know, uh, that really, on, on little things and big things, makes a big difference in life, doesn't it? We always want to question, what's, do you really know? Do you really understand, right? After today, you're going to go out to eat, right? And depending where you go, right? let's say some of you go to Cheesecake Factory, right? You want to go splurge a little bit. And uh, you go to, you know, they have like a thousand things on the menu, right, at Cheesecake Factory. You know, you think it was just cheesecake, but even the menu is separate for the cheesecake. But anyways, it's like a thousand things. It's so big, they give you a book, right? And in case you're bored, there's pictures in it. Like, here's a book. And so you're looking through, and you're trying to figure out what to eat. And some of you are gonna have this dilemma, right? And you're gonna say, oh, cheeseburger. And some of you who are married, your wives will say, you don't want a cheeseburger. And you're gonna say, okay, I don't want a cheeseburger. You know. <laughs> I don't? Okay, I know. And then you're like, oh, they have orange chicken. Orange chicken? You don't want orange chicken. You know, they have it at the uh, you know, Panda Express. Oh yeah, I don't want orange chicken. Okay, what do I want? And you're going through, you can't figure out what you want, right? And someone's like, well, what page is that on? It's the one with the lady in the wedding dress, you know, I don't know, page five, and you're going back and forth. And some of you will get to the point where you're going to ask the waitress for their advice. Now, this is a very, this takes a lot of faith because you're, I, at that point, subconsciously, I'm looking at the person saying, does this person know what good food is, right? Does she know? And if, there, and if there's like a, some, you know, 20-year-old girl is gonna tell me what to eat, and I'm thinking in my mind, I've been eating more than twice your life. <laughs> and the volume of what I've ate is probably worth, it's more than five times what you've eaten. And if she's like, oh, I really, you know, recommend the tofu bread. No, you no, know, no, 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 I don't want you. But if a, if a big man comes up and says, hey, you should get that surf and turf, man. That's good stuff. I trust you, right? <laughs> I put my faith in you. Those are trivial things, but you think about it. When a doctor says, I want you to take this medicine, we need to do surgery right now. We're all asking, do you know? Can I put my trust in you? When someone comes to your house and says, oh, we need to tear this roof off. You have termites and we need to gut this place, $10,000. dollars you say, do you really know this is going to cost me? And when we see what they've done in the past and we see now what they know and what people have said they know, we say, okay, I'll trust that doctor. He comes with a lot of recommendations. When we go to God, we have to go to him and understand there have been millions and billions of people that have trusted their lives with God. It says he knows better. You can trust him. So we trust him. Fourthly, we see that he keeps his promises. We don't want to overlook this part in verse 19. He, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. This, this is a, a Genesis Exodus, both written by Moses. It's a continuation of that story. When Joseph had entered into egypt and became the prince of egypt and he dies at the end of genesis he tells his followers and that's all quoted in genesis 50 24 25 that little phrase take my bones with you and it was something for generations they were looking for for generations they said god is going to come and when he comes he is going to visit us and there'll be a day you're going this is not your home you're going to take this with you and you're going to go this is his promise and so we want to understand that God keeps his promises. Lastly, God is with us. Right? Fifthly, God is with us. Um, the picture we see here, verse 21, and as I read this, can you, would you picture yourself in that crowd, in the desert, a million plus people, and you are now starting to move and the cloud comes, and the fire comes. Just picture yourself there as I read this, hear the sounds, uh, feel the heat, um, and and all the, the people who are there. Verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. They were able to follow. They were able to go. Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, when he tells the disciples, I'm leaving and they're troubled, he tells them not to be troubled. He says, "Uh, I'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. God is with us. God, the Holy Spirit, dwells with us. He walks beside us. He's with us. And it doesn't matter if you are at church or not, God is with you as you put your faith in him. And God, the Son, gives now the Holy Spirit to walk with us. The paraclete or the, the counselor, the one who walks beside us, is with us. And how much that matters. I want us to walk away from here with this, these two truths in mind. Number one is knowing that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. He's for you. He's with you. He's, you're here today on this Sunday because somehow he has guided you here up to this point. He's with you. And secondly, he's worthy of your trust. Follow him. Run after him. Stay under the shadow of the cloud. Stay close to the fire so you could feel the warmth. Because someone will say, we should go this way. It's closer. We should go this way, it's away from the sea, it's safer, we should head this way. But no, we need to be closer to God. Wherever God is, is the right way. And I want to close with this quote from Henry Nouwen, and I want you to listen carefully to what he has to say. He says, stop wandering around. Instead, come home and trust that God will bring you what you need. For as long as you can remember, you have been a pleaser depending on others, to give you an identity. But now you are being asked to let go all these self-made props and trust that God is enough for you. The root choice is to trust at all times that God is with you and will give you what you most need. Would you trust him? Would you follow him? Would you look to the cross daily and follow closely after him? trust that he will guide you to where you need to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we trust you. We need more faith, God, to trust you more, to follow after you. And so would you give us that faith? Would you help us to see you like they saw? the cloud by day and the fire by night, that the closer we are to you, the better it is. And God, as we have grown up a little bit, Lord, we we fool ourselves into thinking we might know better. We rationalize often in our minds, thinking that we are smart enough, but God, you are smarter, you are greater, so we wanna follow you. So God, if you tell us to forgive, we'll forgive them. If you tell us to give, we'll give. If you tell us to go, we go. This is what you want for us. So God, would you help us now to trust in you? We pray in Jesus' name.